Good morning and welcome to Beacon Church's well, final Sunday on the sofa. Um, over recent alternate weeks we've been meeting back at Vibe, gathering in person there on the seafront. And this is our final pre-recorded video from next week. We will be back at Vibe again, but permanently as well. We are so grateful to how you, Beacon Church, have just been so eager to get back in the same room together. Despite restrictions, there's something not not, not quite the same as being in the same room together. It's like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. There is something quite remarkably precious about that physicality of being in the same room together. Despite restrictions, there's something special and precious about it. And it's been tremendous. It's been great. And we're going to continue doing that from next week. And uh, we're just trusting that as restrictions uh, gradually lift at appropriate timings, uh, we'll be able to do more while we're there. We have plans ahead. We're just waiting on announcements and so on and so forth. But things will gradually change as well. But there's nothing quite like it, is there? So if you can't make it, we understand that. The videos will still be available within the next 24 hours or so of each Sunday for you to be able to catch up. And we look forward to when we see you there as well. Uh, this morning... I'm just going to preach in a sec from Luke chapter 6, um, but let me pray first. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness in bringing us safely thus far. We thank you for how you've looked after us through lockdown. We thank you for how you're looking after us as we come out of it as well. You are a good, good father and we love all that you're doing. Uh, especially all the stuff we're not aware of and don't see. There's so much more underneath the surface. But Lord, we just pray as we come to your word right now, will you speak to us and challenge us? Let us know what we need to do about it. And by Holy Spirit's help, um, may we step into whatever it is you have planned for us. Give us the boldness and the courage to do so. And it's all for your glory, for the, for the wonderful glory of your son, Jesus. Let us declare him with our lives as well as with our mouths, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, in 1173, building work began on a circular bell tower and it went up beautifully. It was quite a remarkable piece of work. It was made out of white marble. Um, the columns and the arches and the spiral staircases, they're all finely crafted. But by the time they finished the third floor, within five years, the bell tower had begun to lean. So construction stopped for 100 years, and then they thought it was a good idea to add three more stories, and it leaned even more. You can probably guess where this is going. But unconcerned, a seventh floor was added a couple of hundred years later, and then the dome for the bell itself on the top. And then another 300 years after that, someone thought it would be a great idea to dig a path down so that people could marvel at the intricately crafted base which made the tower lean even more. I am, of course, talking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. But at what point did they ever ask if they needed to just start again? Because whatever they did, because of shallow foundations on soft soil, that tower would always be in danger of collapse. Uh, it's only because of recent intervention it's now been counterweighted and anchored, but that wonkiness will forever remain. 
we all build our lives on something. It can be money, success, sex, power, other people, things we things that drive us and things that become the unconscious basis of all our decisions. These are things that undergird everything that goes on top. Because the surface of our lives, the things we see, where we spend our time and our money and our attention, that is built on top of something. What we value is what lies beneath. And the trouble is, so many of our values can be unreliable, flaky, selfish, inconsistent, disloyal, can change overnight. These are things that are soft soil and will lead to subsidence. And in today's passage, Jesus talks about exactly this. And he points us to the safest foundation of them all, himself. So I'm just going to read from Luke chapter 6. It's just four short verses. We're going to read from verse 46. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. See, the picture that Jesus is painting here is not simply like the children's song, which is a good one. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rain came tumbling down. It's a great song. But Jesus, actually, there's more detail here. Jesus actually describes a man not just finding a rock to build on. That'll do. It's a man who digs down in order to find the rock on which to lay his house's foundation, rather than just on the soft soil that he first comes to. And in contrast, the second man, he just starts building on what he sees. One of those takes more effort and takes more time, but ultimately ensures a steadfast and security when adversity comes. And that's the thing. Digging down to rock is far harder than building in the immediate. Building our foundations on Jesus is harder than not doing so. But it will always ensure that we are rooted for whatever comes our way. When we were getting ready for this new cabin to be built back in the new year, it took me a whole month just to clear the area. I took some time off work to do lots of digging, uh, moving a few tons of rubble and substrate into place and then laying just as much concrete on top. Uh, the work was so much that an old ambulance service injury of mine flared up and Joe Richardson and his mate Jimmy had to come to the rescue to help me finish it and I am forever in your debt. I, we, could have taken the easy route and just cleared some space and then built the cabin on what was there. But it would already be wonky as a result and it would always be in danger of collapsing. Building on firm foundations is essential. And Jesus at no point promises us an easier life, but he does promise us a better one. And that doesn't come without some choices and discipline on our behalf. Because our salvation is a gift from God. But we are all called to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, not to rely on someone else to do that for us. Jesus saves us, but he expects us to live in the light of it 
and that takes some co-labouring with him. So just for the next few minutes, I want to look at three things. We're going to look at rock steady foundations. What, what are they? We're going to look at um, digging deep. How do we find them? And then thirdly, we're going to look at checking our footings. Just It's always good to do a health check, isn't it? So first of all, rock steady foundations. Because Jesus here, he is confronting his audience and us with the stark reminder. What are you building your life on? Because it may not be as safe as you think it is. So it raises the question, are we building on firm foundations or otherwise? Well, okay, what are these firm foundations that Jesus is speaking of? Well, the clues in verse 47, Jesus says, uh, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Jesus' words are the rock and we need to act upon them in order for them to become the foundation of our lives. Jesus, throughout the Gospels and, and throughout the rest of Scripture, he speaks into our attitudes to other people, to money, to power, to the poor, to children, to the snares of the spiritual realm, to the dark corners of our hearts that we so easily ignore often. His words, they're not just pithy mottos for self-help gurus to be passing around. No, they are beautiful, profound revelations from the Creator himself about how we flourish as human beings and so bring in the glory that he deserves. They're an invitation to live with the grain of his universe rather than run against it. They're words to build our lives upon. See, this isn't just about following rules. This is, this is actually a test of our heart. This reveals our love for Jesus, out of which we respond and trust him to know best, even when or especially when it's tough to do so. So here's the crux of it. If we aren't people who live a life built on Jesus's words, then we are not only like that second man whose house gets washed away and comes to great ruin. That's an awful outcome, albeit it's on his head and would be on our heads. But what's even worse about it actually is what Jesus points to at the very beginning of this section. He says, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Because to follow Jesus means to be obedient to his commands and his calling as the Lord of all things. Jesus here, he's describing people who claim to be his followers. Lord, Lord. But they're disobedient because they're not doing what he tells them. Therefore, he's not their Lord. They do one thing with their mouths and another thing with their hearts. They're hypocrites. And Jesus has a lot to say about people who look like they belong to him or even believe that they do themselves, but they are clearly deceived and their actions prove it. Just before Matthew in his own gospel tells this very same story, he also wrote down just before it, Jesus's words about these same people. In Matthew 7 verse 21, he writes, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. It's one thing to find following Jesus difficult. We all do. It's another thing to be disobedient and decide not to do what he asks of us or to not even give, in, give any thought to whether we do or not in the first place. 
of course, like, I, like I've just mentioned, we're not just talking about Jesus's red words in the Gospels, the bits that only Jesus says. There are some Christians who believe that's all we should be following. No, no, we're talking about the whole Bible. All scripture is God breathed. This is Father's revelation to us, inspired by Holy Spirit that points to Jesus as being the author and Lord of everything. And so this, in its entirety, is his blueprint for a life of worship. These, all of it, are his words. So today's parable, it's not just about handy hints for a better life. This is about living life God's way out of our love for him, not just following a manual. Because that's where we will then discover the beautiful consequences of these choices in our relationships and our homes and our communities and so on. Which brings us to digging deep. Because now we understand what those rock steady foundations are. Jesus's words followed out of love for him. But how do we dig down to find them? Surely it's just a case of reading the Bible and doing it, isn't it? Well, much of what Jesus commands is clear. Things like sex is for one man and one woman in uh, exclusive promise in marriage. Or uh, lying to the tax man is deceitful and dishonouring. Um, we must pray for our enemies, he also says. That's quite black and white. That's, there's no wriggle room there. The, the, some, some, of the, some of these things are pretty straightforward. But there is much of what Jesus says and which his Bible expands upon through prophecy and through poetry and through history, things that we need to dig deeper through the soil to find that bedrock. Particularly in today's culture, we need to discover how to apply it to our lives in 21st century Home Bay, which is a world that is radically different, for example, to first century Israel. Questions like, how should we practice Sabbath? How do we live that out? How do we collectively make disciples? In today's day and age, what, what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we point to Jesus in ways that people will hear and understand? Because language today and the platforms that we need to use, they are wildly, wildly different to back then. So how do we use that? without betraying the ancient truths that we're meant to be expressing and in a way that people get to hear it. We need to communicate in a way that they hear. Some of those things we have been talking about over recent weeks and months, of course, and we'll continue to do so, but there's more, there's others. For example, how do Christians in business in today's social media-driven and self-promoting world, how do they remain humble and market themselves with a belief and a confidence in their products or services. That's a tricky balance sometimes. How do we open our homes to the stranger, which is the true meaning of hospitality, actually? How do we do that and keep our families safe? It's a big question. doesn't mean we don't do it, because we're commanded to. So how do we live that out? Or what does it mean to turn the other cheek and still ensure that toxic environments are made safe for us and others. Because cancel culture today, that is totally lacking in grace and forgiveness. But consequence culture is something that needs to be thought through, worked out. See, we need to dig deep to find the rock of Jesus's words and his will for our lives, not just rely on our emotions in those moments or opt for the easy path when we have choices to make. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way or give thought to his ways, but the folly of fools is deceiving. We just need to ask, how much thought do we give to why we do what we do? Have you ever asked that question? Why do I do what I'm doing? Our habits, our routines, our rhythms, looking at our diaries and our bank statements, what are our lives built upon? How can we dig deep to find the rock? Well, the key is doing it together. That's how we spot blind spots. We can't see them ourselves, that's why they're called that. Doing it in community is vastly precious. Small groups, uh, running partners is a way of describing you know, someone you run alongside with, you eyeball each other, how are you doing, really? What's that all about? These are opportunities to work these questions out in community. So are you involved in small group? Uh, not just for friendship, uh, not just to tick a box, but also to be challenged, to be encouraged, to learn from each other's experiences. To, to be stretched is not pleasant, but it brings welcome growth. Don't run from it. Seek, seek it out. And do you have particular brothers or sisters, maybe just one or two people who invest in you and speak the truth, even when it hurts, and vice versa? And if you're unsure of who that could be in your life, if you don't have that right now, then look for someone who's, whose life reflects a person who is still growing in Jesus, whose choices and rhythms demonstrate someone who is built, whose, whose life is built upon that firm foundation, rather than someone who flips out when trouble comes their way, but someone who visibly rests in Christ when trouble comes, there's someone to learn from. If you don't have someone in your life and you haven't invited them to speak into yours, seek them out. Get digging together. Let's dig deep. Let's find that rock. There's many hypotheticals I could go into and all of our lives are unique in our own context, etc. But these are questions we need to work out in community. Let's go digging deep. And finally, we need to check our footings. Because while, while we get to digging to find the right foundations of Jesus's words and build upon them, we also need to keep an eye out for invisible cracks in our current foundations that show where we have been building on the wrong things all this time. It's possible. Because when you go to buy a house, a big thing that the surveyor will include in their report is signs of subsidence. And clues to dodgy foundations in a house would include significant cracks in the walls or... Um, door and window frames that are warped or misaligned, or they get jammed is a good clue. Um, or sinking on or sloping floors is another clue to subsidence underneath it all. I just need to ask, are there signs of subsidence in my life? What needs fixing? Are, are the clues there? You know, just a couple of examples. Um, my financial decisions, are they based on saving as much as possible? Or is it all about Keeping up with the Joneses, I'm always a little bit fear of spending because I might need this. It might, this. This is where my security is. Or I want more stuff and I want what they've got and I want new shiny things all the time. One of those is driven by fear. One of those is driven by materialism. And if so, th there's a crack in the walls. The, the ground you've been building on is unsafe. That's a value undergirding all that that is not good. And none of us are immune to redundancy or long-term illness, or pension stitch-ups, and I'm not trying to be gloomy, but just realistic. None of us are immune to that. Where do we place our trust should trouble come? Will we crumble? 
will we stand firm on him? When alternatively, stewarding our money as an act of worship built on trusting Jesus for our daily bread, whatever comes our way, and using wiser portioning according to caring for our family and for others. That, that is built on a solid foundation of Jesus' promise, promises and his counsel. And then when trouble comes, what you've built will not come tumbling down. And secondly, another example, how do I react when criticism comes my way? Is my reaction based on fear of man or, or pride? They're wrong because I'm always right. If I get spiky at other people's feedback or I live in great need of other people's approval, either way, there's a twisted doorway in my relationships with others. There's subsidence. Because then my life is not built upon the solid rock of Jesus being where I find acceptance in the cross and acting upon his words to fear God and not man. Because otherwise, from that place, that is where I can take criticism or lack of encouragement and still be willing to listen and to learn and to love in return. There's just a couple of examples, but we just need to look at the fruit of our lives. Remember the passage that Bob brought last week and talked about trees bearing good fruit or bad fruit. They reveal the kind of tree they are. Does my life demonstrate someone following Jesus's words? What fruit does my life bear? That will show what's underneath. Or does my life bear little difference really to the people next door, other than the fact that I go to church? Am I truly seeking after his will in my life? Am I doing what he tells me to? What do the clues point to? Which way does your heart point? Is it towards him, even when it's tough to do so? Or is it elsewhere in other things? If this has begun to reveal anything to you, then maybe now's a time for confession and renewal Take it to him. He loves you. He's waiting. So just, just to finish, I want to share a few verses from um, Peter's first letter in chapter 2. Because Peter is one of Jesus' closest friends. And he would have heard Jesus tell this very story at the time. Um, he takes this building principle further into who we are as Jesus' people. In 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 6, he says... As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Obeying Jesus' words is more than following a set of rules. It's a founding of our lives upon him. He is the cornerstone upon which the rest of the building's strength and integrity fully depends. He is the rock to dig deep and discover and build upon. Let's be sure that we do. Let me just pray. Lord Jesus, we celebrate you as the Lord of all things. We thank you for your words that you reveal through scripture. We thank you that you, you are the author of that through Holy Spirit. And we, we, we trust those words, but sometimes we say that and then our actions prove otherwise. Help us to live them out. 
help us to discover how they apply to our unique lives in our unique contexts in this current day and age. Help us to work that out and then grant us the boldness and the, and the, the strength to put it into practice, to, to hear your words and do them. Help us to build on you, the rock, we pray. In your mighty, mighty name, Lord Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Have a great week and hope to see you at Vive. Take care.